Scripture reading today comes from the Gospel of John, the 20th chapter, the 19th through the 31st verse. Hear these words. On the evening of that day of the week, when the disciples were together with the doors locked for fear of the Jews, Jesus came and stood among them and said, Peace be with you. After he said this, he showed them his hands and his side. The disciples were overjoyed when they saw the Lord. Again, Jesus said, Peace be with you. As the Father has sent me, I am sending you. And with that, he breathed on them. And he said, Receive the Holy Spirit. If you forgive anyone his sins, they are forgiven. If you do not forgive them, they are not forgiven. Now Thomas, called Didymus, one of the twelve, was not with the disciples when Jesus came. So the other disciples told him, We have seen the Lord. But he said to them, Unless I see the nail marks in his hands, and put my finger where the nails were, and put my hand in his side, I will not believe it. A week later, his disciples were in the house again, and Thomas was with them, though the doors were locked. Jesus came and stood among them and said, Peace be with you. Then he said to Thomas, Put your finger here. See my hands? Reach out your hand and put it in my side. Stop doubting and believe. Thomas said to him, My Lord and my God. Then Jesus said to him, Because you have seen me, you have believed. Blessed are those who have not seen and yet have believed. Jesus did many other miraculous signs in the presence of his disciples, which are not recorded in this book. But these are written that you may believe that Jesus is the Christ, the Son of God, and that by believing you may have life in his name. This is the word of God for the people of God. Thanks be to God. Let us pray. Ever equipping God as I speak, may you increase and I decrease. May the words you have given me for this message be seeds that rest in our hearts that we might bear fruit for you here on earth. May I be bold and courageous in speaking what it is you've given me to speak. And may we as your people have ears that hear. This is our prayer in the name of Jesus Christ. Amen. I remember it like yesterday. My grade school was about eight blocks from our home and Our parents would let us walk home. Back in the day, we could walk home with no fear on our way home. And we would walk home and everybody would check in when they would get to the house. And the lady who kept us, she would know that my two sisters were there and that my twin brother was there. And somewhere along the line, I would come straggling in because I was always the last one to walk home or to get home from school Because I seemed to find, as my brother used to tell and try to help me out, he would say, oh, Barry just took the long way home. And so I would find my way home after everybody else had found their way home when I was in grade school. 
And I wonder if maybe Thomas in this story didn't take the long way home. It's a wonderful story. I don't know about you, but it's, it's been quite a week after Easter. And I, I wonder if the freshness of the Holy Spirit and the, the resurrected Christ is on you and, and you're feeling great. Or maybe you had a heavy week and it seems like Easter was a month ago. I can imagine how the disciples felt when they were gathered in that room together. I, I love how the text says they were gathered in the room with the door locked for fear of the Jews. They were afraid somebody would come after them like they had come after Jesus. People knew who they were and, and knew what they were about. They had heard Jesus preach and they knew he had a band of followers and his disciples. And they were locked in the room out of fear. Does that sound familiar? There are lots of us who are sheltered in place. The disciples were sheltered in place out of fear. Afraid of what the outside world held. Uh, afraid of, of what someone might say. Afraid of what someone might do. Afraid of what someone might give them. And he came through the wall. As I said last week, I don't know what the resurrected Jesus looks like, what the resurrected Christ looks like. But I know that there was something about him that was familiar enough that when he came through the wall or the locked door, they recognized him. Now, I would think they were locked in the room out of fear and Jesus came through the locked door. I would think the level of fear escalated in the room for fear of judgment. Were they not sharing the gospel with anybody? Were they not testifying to what had happened? They were locked up in a room, sheltered in place, and Jesus comes through. And I can imagine some of the thoughts were like, oh, no. Here it comes. The judgment day has come for us. And I'm sure some of their minds and some of their hearts were quite troubled because if you'll listen to what Jesus said to them, he knew exactly how they felt. And he said to them, peace be with you. He didn't step into that room to condemn them. He didn't step in that room to chastise them. He stepped in the room to give them a gift and to offer them peace. You see, if we find ourselves sheltered in place in our own world and living out of fear, we need to call on the Christ because the Christ gives us peace. The Christ breathes peace into our lives. Peace be with you. There was nothing more Jesus wanted to do in that moment than to comfort the disciples. And that's what he did. He comforted them. And then he did this. He breathed upon them. I would imagine he was closer than six feet. And he breathed upon them. And they received the Holy Spirit. They re received the power of God manifested in the Holy Spirit. They were complete in their belief. They were complete in their understanding. They were complete in their sanctification. That they could go into the world and preach the gospel 
and share the love of God with other people through the power of the Holy Spirit. And he said to them, you now have the power to forgive. You now have the power to forgive and you now have the power to not forgive. You have the power to pass judgment. You have the power to do the work of God wherever you go, wherever God leads you. You have the power because you have accepted Jesus as the Christ and peace has come into your life. It's one of the greatest stories about the character of humanity. Last week, we celebrated the risen Christ the highest holy day of the Christian year. And Monday, we went right back to our ordinary life. And we found ourselves sheltered in place. And we found ourselves worried about COVID. And we found ourselves dealing with all the regular troubles of our lives. I wonder what changed for us. Don't feel bad. The Bible story tells you that a week later, on the eighth day, after he had been there before, he showed up in the room again and gathered still were the disciples with the door locked. With the door locked. They had had this encounter with the Holy One. They had an encounter with the Christ. The Holy Spirit had been breathed upon them. God had infused God's self in the room. God had commanded peace to be in their lives. And yet a week later, they're hanging on to the, the fear in their lives. They're hanging on to the fact that someone might recognize them. They're, they're hanging on to the fact about they're not really sure what they're supposed to do with what all they got. And they're sheltered in place out of fear still. Even though they've experienced the actuality of the risen Christ, even though they've seen the wounds in his hands and the piercing in his side, even though they know that it was him, my Lord, my God, they cried out. They didn't move one iota. That feels like casual Christianity. That feels like what we do sometimes in our lives when we go to church and we profess God on Sunday morning and we shout and praise and raise our hands and whatever we do in worship and then we go out on Monday morning and deny everything we did on Sunday. And we live a life that doesn't speak about the gospel, it doesn't speak about the risen Christ, it doesn't speak about the peace that's in our life. Because we're hurt. Can you imagine? What it felt like in that room before Jesus appeared. Their mentor, their leader, the one they had hope in, the one they had put their faith in. Dead. Dead. And they were grieving. How many of us in our lives experience hurt and we let that hurt control our lives? How many of us have, have death in our lives and have experienced the death and we're afraid to grieve? 
We're afraid to be intimate with that grief because we're afraid of the hurt we might feel. How many of us have relationships that are falling apart because we're afraid to be intimate with the person who the relationship's with because we're afraid we're going to put ourselves out there and we might get hurt? How many of us struggle with our own understanding of who we are and we don't think we're good enough for what God's called us to And we're afraid if we put ourselves out there, the public will crucify us. How many of us are afraid to do what it is God's asking us to do in our lives because we're not sure we're good enough? Somebody has hurt us along the way and said, you're not good enough. And we live in that hurt. I want to say a lot of us are gathered in the room with the disciples. A lot of us are blocking the love of God because we've guarded our heart. We're blocking the Easter message because we're afraid to be intimate, because when we're intimate, it hurts. It makes us vulnerable. And somebody might just get to us. Somebody might hurt our feelings. Somebody might break our heart. Somebody might say that our Jesus isn't what we expect our Jesus to be and challenge us in our understanding. And God help if somebody challenges us because we're not sure we'll know what to say. And we stay sheltered in place in our spirituality. Instead of embracing who it is God is calling us to be, instead of embracing the resurrected Christ, Our journey to the Christ takes the long way home. And we guard ourselves. I wonder if maybe that was why Thomas, my first question when I read this text is, why isn't Thomas in the room? If everybody is afraid, why isn't Thomas with them? Why aren't they standing at the door saying, Thomas, where are you? Why aren't you in here, Thomas? You're one of us. I mean, if we're a true faith community, don't we care about everybody else? So where's Thomas? Why isn't he there the first time? Why do you allow him to not be there and experience the Christ? You've sent him on an errand, whatever it is you've done, and he doesn't get to experience, and now the world knows him as what? Doubting Thomas. They don't know him because of his witness. They know him because what they say, he had lack of faith. And Lamont says, the opposite of faith is not doubt. The opposite of faith is certainty. You know it for fact. If you have faith, there's some mystery in your faith. And you have to trust in God that God is who God is. And the risen Christ is who the risen Christ says the risen Christ is. Because none of us have actually seen the risen Christ. But we've experienced God. We've experienced God somewhere in our life, just like that day when God showed up again in the form of the risen Christ. With one purpose. Thomas was in the room. I mean, I want to think that he probably had another purpose in mind, like, guys, get up and get busy. But honestly, I believe he was there for one reason. Because Thomas was there. And Thomas was hurting. Thomas was grieving. Thomas had heard the witness of his brothers. Thomas had heard the witness of the women and the rest of the disciples. 
but he's just like you and me when one of our loved ones dies. Number one, we can't believe it. They're gone. Grief is a, a, is a cloak that will just come over you, a dark cloak that will come over you, and it distorts your world. And he was living in that grief. He was living with that pain. His heart couldn't move to reconcile with what the disciples were saying. Have you ever been there? Have you ever been that when you know the good news and you can grasp the good news with your mind, but you can't get your heart to move that distance? You can't get your heart to allow God to soothe it and hold it and and heal it. I was watching a a movie, a TV show this week, and it's called Songland. And it's where amateur songwriters pitch their songs to professional songwriters and to an artist that's a, 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 a professional artist. And there's, they have a competition, and whoever wins, the professional artist works with the, the song and then cuts the song, and it goes out on a record, on a CD, on whatever form it is they put it on. And this young artist stood at the microphone, and he said, Maybe his heart took the long way home. And I thought, whoa. How many times have we allowed ourselves for our heart to take the long way home? Because we're afraid. Because the hurt's too great. Because we don't want to wrestle with the issue because we don't want to face the reality of our lives. We put our heart in a guarded place. And for it to heal, it has to take the long way home. I can assure you when I was a little boy and I was walking home from school and I was taking the long way home, it wasn't because I was doing what was good. I was kicking cans, throwing rocks, breaking sticks, having fights doing things I shouldn't have been doing because I didn't want to go home. You know why you don't want to go home? Because when you shut that door, everybody knows you exactly as you are. You can't hide at home. They know what your temperament's like. They know what your emotions are like. They're your family. They're the people who love you, the people you've been raised with. And there are times when we take the long way home because we don't want to be intimate. In a home, you're supposed to be intimate with those you live with, the good, the bad, and the ugly. They live in that house with you. And the people that live with you, they know that about you. In our relationship with God, we're afraid to go home. We let our heart take the long way home because we're afraid of that goodness. Because somewhere in our mind we say we don't deserve it. We don't know what to do with it. Thomas said, I'm not going to believe until I touch. Was that a diversion? Did he think Christ wouldn't show up again? Was that an excuse? I'm not going to get a relationship because I got hurt. I'm not going to participate in my family because they don't think very well of me. They judge me. I'm not going to go to work and participate because 
they're whispering, they gossip at work, and they have expectations that I can't meet and I might fail. And we take the long way home with our wounded heart and we don't give it to God. And we continually push the resurrected Christ to the back burner. But the good news is that our God knows us. Our God knows us. We had a little Indonesian lady. Both my parents were professionals, and so we had an Indonesian lady who welcomed us home every day. Now, to say she was a little stern with me might be an understatement, but it might be justified because she needed to be. But every day she would meet me at the door when I got home from school. And she always, even if I took the long way home, she would welcome me home. She would welcome me home because I know now that Mama Eve worried about me. Even though I was being an ornery boy, doing ornery things, Mama Eve wasn't content until we all got home. God knew exactly what happened in that room. God knew exactly what was said between the disciples. God knew exactly what Thomas said. I'm not believing. Y'all say what you want. I don't care. My heart hurts. I love to Jesus. I put my faith in him and now he's dead. I put my hope in him and now he's dead. If you think I'm going to love again, you are nuts. If you think I'm going to put myself out there again, you're nuts. I won't believe until I put my hands in his hands and I put my hand in his side. And do you think Thomas really thought that would ever happen? He was putting up a wall that said, you can't touch this. And I'm not going to be hurt again. And God said, Thomas, I love you. I don't care if you did take the long way home. I don't care if you are holding your heart back from me. I don't care what walls you've put up because I'm going to meet you in an intimate moment right where you want to be met. And Jesus walked through the door. Nothing had changed. They were all there except this time, the book says, Thomas was with them. And God had come into Thomas's life to meet a need of woundedness. And Jesus spoke exactly what God wants for all of us. He wants us to live in the peace of the resurrected Christ. He wants us to live knowing that God did what God said God would do because God loves us. He went through locked doors and he stood next to Thomas and he said one thing to Thomas. Peace be with you. Touch. Feel. Believe. God loves us so much that God's willing to go on whatever long road we go on 
God's willing to meet us wherever it is we shelter ourselves. God's willing to meet us in the midst of all of our fear. And God's willing to meet us in the details of life. And say to us, peace. Peace be with you. Believe. Believe in what you understand to be my love. Believe in the resurrected Christ. Live your, live your life as though you believe. Live your life as though you believe. I love how John wraps this story up. Jesus performed many more miracles that are not written in this book. Jesus performed many more miracles that are not written in this book. But I have told this story so you believe. You'll believe that you are loved by the God who created you. And that God went into the dark, deep depth of the grave and raised Jesus from the dead into a new life so that we, the people of God, may have a new life and have it forever. Take the long way home. Let God have your heart and believe. Amen.